Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Clap your hands, O oh ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ to the shepherd of this house. And let's celebrate her again, Dr. Karen Johnson. Amen. To our worship leader and your assistant pastor, Pastor Queen, to the pastoral and ministerial staff, to you, the first Christian family, and to you that are candidates for consecration and commissioning and licensing, and to all you that have gathered, what a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I too want to honor my wife, Dr. Yvette. She's the better part of me who allowed me to come today on our anniversary. Thank you. What an honor it is for me to worship with you this day, as well as share in this defining moment in your lives. Preparing to share with you this day, I begin to reflect on my own personal journey in ministry and begin to realize that come January 2019, I've been on this walk in ministry for 36 years. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. I'd like to call your attention to a familiar passage of scripture. John chapter 13, the gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 2 through 10 will be our focal point for our thought this morning. John chapter 13, verse number 2, reading from the New King James Version of the Scripture. And supper being ended the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand yet, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Thus far the scripture lesson. I want to speak this morning for a few moments from this thought. A servant's perspective. A servant's perspective. Lord, be our preacher this morning. Hide us behind the cross that nothing is seen or heard but you and you alone. Holy Spirit, be our preacher. 
and we will give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, and all the people said amen. amen. A servant's perspective. Dr. K, thank you for being a audacious leader. Audacity is a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints. The controversial former CEO of Hewitt Packard, Carly Farina, said these words. A leader's greatest obligation is to make possible an environment where people can aspire to change the world. Powerful leaders are willing to step outside of what they know and explore the unknown. They're willing to go after the big idea. They are confident that they will change the world and they can paint a picture of why we should care and help them make it happen. Audacious leaders are needed today. Leaders who will challenge the status quo and usher in a change in a world that is very intense and chaotic. Audacious leaders are needed in the church. Audacious leaders raise up audacious people. I believe that audacious people are the people who you find in the kingdom. Audacious leaders in the kingdom are strikingly different from those who are in the world. For their mode of operation is based on principles of humility, love, and servitude. I don't know if anybody in the room realized it or not, but we are divided as a nation. We are divided as a people. The attack of the enemy has incited division and divisiveness from high places of influence through alternative facts. <laughs> through the silence of issues that our voices should cry aloud and the disrespect on every societal level. I don't know about anybody else, but I know we need God. Further adding to the problem, the lack of church attendance, along with the oft-times non-Christological perspective influence of the ideologies of millennials, baby boomers, and Generation X, has made our world an uneasy place. The problem of the human race is without Christ, people are spiritually dead. They are spiritually darkened. They are spiritually deprived. And the only solution is to see the light of Jesus Christ. We need God, would you agree? While I am concerned, I am not worried not at all because we serve a God that's willing to usher in change and he's going to use you to do it. I want to remind you of this very simple and profound statement. You are not alone. You and I need each other and we have been made one by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see the blood of Jesus 
knows no divisions. The blood of Jesus can handle all divisiveness. The blood of Jesus corrects all its alternative facts with the truth of God's word. I challenge you as the body of Christ, as the family known as First Christian Community Church of Annapolis Incorporated to continue to rise up. Do you realize that there are 2.2 billion Christians in the world? We must be all who God called us to be. And we got to be it now. How do we become this? Well, we must have love for all. And not just for a select few. We've got to be helpful and not hateful. We've got to be encouraging and not be evildoers. We, gonna, we, we, we have to want justice for all and not just for some. We have to be caring and not careless. Inspiring and not indifferent. Joyful celebrating and not jealous. You see, God has entrusted humans with the responsibility of enacting and enforcing his intentions in the earth. We must be kingdom-minded. What is the kingdom? It is a lifestyle. It is a culture. It is a spirit of dominion. It is a spirit that displaces demonic influence. The kingdom removes satanic dogma and thinking and culture from our society. It does it so much that the devil becomes afraid of those empowered, blood-washed believers. We must fully understand that the kingdom of God must be activated and be on high alert in this season. Those of you that are being commissioned, licensed, and consecrated to ministry, those of you that are already in ministry, those of you that are sitting in the pew, you must have the spirit of the Lord God upon you now because he's trying to increase his anointing that you would preach his gospel, that you will heal the brokenhearted, that you would preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that have been bruised, you must preach the acceptable year of the Lord. As you are being consecrated, commissioned, licensed for ministry, you must be confident and your confidence must be in Jesus Christ. Dr. John Maxwell said these words, the greatest asset of a leader is confidence. The greatest liability of a leader is insecurity. We are dealing with an insecurity crisis in the church. A few weeks ago, a few months ago rather, I had a startling revelation from the Lord. Now sisters, I'm going to say something, but don't get upset. I was awakened in the morning in prayer. And the Lord said to me, my church, Sterling, is like a woman who forgot to put her girdle on. I said, Lord, what are you saying to me? 
he said, they jiggling and shaking. And they're showing people what they should not see. I stopped and I was startled. I sat up in the bed and did like some of y'all said, oh! And I said, well, Lord, talking to my wife, a lot of people, women, don't wear that anymore. He said, and that's the real problem. They forgot to tighten up. So they go out in public and show the world what they shouldn't see. And he said, my church is looking that kind of way, jiggling and shaking and not covered. They forgot to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They forgot to gird their loins with truth. They forgot that they got bowels of compassion. I said, Lord, help the church. Help the church. You see, scripture reading this morning reminds us of what God called the church to do. He gave gifts to church. Now the gift that he gave everybody in the church is the gift of grace. Anybody glad that you had grace? You didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you anyway. Or anybody in here ever messed up big time? Anybody in here feel like you deserve to be here? But you know you're here sitting in God's holy place because of his grace and his mercy. Well, I don't know about you. Every chance I get and I think about grace, it causes my hand to go up. Because if it wasn't for God's grace, if it wasn't for his mercy, I don't know where I would be. Anybody here praise God for his grace? I dare you take 10 seconds and praise him for grace. Or maybe I ain't in the right house. Anybody know you messed up and it should have been served against you, but God's grace covered you. Ah, hallelujah. And he goes further to all that he gives grace. He gives some a special endowment of grace. The text that was read said he gave some to be apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. And he gave it to them for the work of ministry, for the equipping of the saints. We are saints. All of us are saints infused in sainthood through the spirit of God that is within us. The spirit of God who calls us all into ministry. As we look at our text and I prepare to go to my seat, the narrative text from the gospel according to St. John is often a recommended text for this service. Here in the text, Jesus washes feet. Now right there, some of y'all would have checked out because some people don't want to deal with their own feet <laughs> rather than deal with somebody else's. Jesus washes feet. It is this surprising and unexpected thing that Jesus does that seems so relevant. He gets up from the supper table to wash the disciples' feet. This task was normally given to the slave. 
But Jesus reverses the order of things and takes the posture of a servant. Three points and I'm going to my seat for real, y'all. My first point, and especially to you that are being released into ministry on this day, you have to learn how to serve while suffering. You got to learn how to serve by suffering, while suffering. Look at Jesus here in the text. If you're talking about suffering, look at what Jesus is dealing with. One of the 12 that had walked with him decides to betray him. And he knows it. Not only does Jesus know it, he knows who put in his heart what was in his heart to betray him. Satan gave Judas a divisive plan to betray him. To make matters worse, Jesus has carrying at that point the responsibility of trying to save the whole world and his father made him do it. With the weight of carrying the whole world and knowing that one of his besties betrayed him, he gets up from the table. He lays aside his garment, takes a towel, girds himself, pours water in a basin, and begins to wash and wipe, wipe, and wash, wash, and wipe disciples' feet. I've been in this thing a long time. And I know people, if they stump their toe, can't serve for four weeks. <laughs> I know people who car broke down and they can't come to no meetings don't want to ask for no ride don't want to get nobody picked them up because I got problems I, I, no are you going to serve this morning no I'm not going to serve this morning I ain't in the place just pray for me you already know something wrong with them because they ain't sitting where they're supposed to be sitting. They don't wear their robe this Sunday. I'm just here. I'm just here. No, you got to learn how to serve while suffering. Henry, Henry Nguyen writes in his book, Wounded Healer, these words. He says, like Jesus, those who proclaim liberation are called not to care for their wounds only and the wounds of others, but also to make their wounds into a major source of healing power. Let me tell you something. The reason why you're going through, the reason why you got some heartaches, the reason why you got some trials, the reason why the devil is really messing with you, because God is using the devil to build your ministry. See, see, the anointing comes upon you 
not because you read the books not that you got knowledge but you know how to hang in there between a rock and a hard place you know how to keep on pushing when everything tells you to throw in the towel what is God doing he's building your ministry then you can preach and you can serve with an anointing on your life and say many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivered them out of them all can I get a witness that he will deliver can I get a witness that he will make a way but you gotta go through so don't quit keep on pushing keep on serving I know you're crying but keep on serving pain in your body but keep on serving ain't no money in your pocketbook but keep on serving you left hell at your house but keep on serving because the God you serve is building your ministry and he's going to anoint you in the furnace of affliction can I get a witness that God will anoint his servant number two number number one you got to serve while suffering number two you got to serve with selflessness serve with selflessness I know that some people only do stuff in church because they won't be seen They are so needy that they think that them serving in church helps them. I can't get no help here. Maybe y'all don't have none. But I know some people in West Virginia, they do it because they need it. And it makes them feel good. It, it gives them uh, 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 some self-worth they feel. And, 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 and don't you dare, I, I overheard a conversation in the hallway of my church and I almost forgot I was the pastor for a moment. Because, you know, the other side was going to come out, but I said, no, no, going back. When I heard one of the young ladies in my church speak to a young lady and she said, uh, you forgot to call my title. I'm deacon so-and-so right now. I'm elder so-and-so right now. Let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, Jesus ain't going to call you no elder. He ain't going to call you no deacon. You ought to praise him that he just knows your name. Anybody glad about that? You ought to give God praise because he knows your name. You can call me Junior from the hood, Jesus. Just call me. Just call me. In the text. In the text. And I got to hurry up. I'm way too long. Way too long. In the text. Peter shows us some selfishness. Peter and Jesus 
enter into this discourse over the bucket of water. Peter says, you ain't going to wash my feet. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you don't have a part of me. Peter says, Lord, not my feet, but my hands and my head. You see, Peter was struggling with being uncomfortable. And so he was selfish because he makes a religious statement. He answers Jesus. He said, well, wash all of me. Cleanse all of me. And what Peter did was be selfish because he played the religion card rather than the relationship card. Because if Jesus had washed all of Peter, he was going to take Jesus back to being a rabbi or a teacher rather than the savior of the world. And here is where we're struggling in church. Because we got some people that want to be religious. They want everything to be nice, neat, and in a package. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to deal with the unlovely. They don't want to deal with the hurting. They don't want to deal with the disenfranchised. In fact, some people don't want them even to come to the church. But God is saying, if you're going to serve me in this hour, you got to be uncomfortable. And, and if you're going to get stuck in being religious in church, I'm not sure I can use you. Because what's getting ready to come into the kingdom in this hour are the roughest of the roughest. Is the worst of the worst. Is the most difficult of the difficult. And you know how I know it's coming? You know how I know that harvest is coming and it's bigger than you can ever imagine? Because God saved you first. I can't get no help here. Because some of y'all got a colorful portfolio up in here. Some of y'all forgot what you used to do. If I took a poll around this room, there's some of everything that was up in here. But Jesus saved us. But Jesus washed us. But Jesus cleansed us. Anybody glad about it? And so what he wants to do is release you to tell your story. And just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you're not telling your story because you're not delivered in your story. Maybe you're not preaching your story and you just got to tell the book and the book is not living in you to tell the book because the book is still working on you to let you heal your story. I can't get no help here now. Number one, a servant must serve while suffering. Number two, a servant must be selfless. Number three, you can only serve if you let him wash your feet. Yeah. Along with these candidates, all of us stand before Jesus 
before the body of Christ and we are humbled before God. When we humble ourselves, it does move us to a place of uncomfortability. Jesus' response to Peter is this simply. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to wash your feet and just your feet and you don't get to be in control. Because it isn't just about foot washing. It's about the reversal of things. It's about allowing him to be incarnate within us. Allowing him to dwell inside of us to the point that the message rings out that he loved me and because he loved me, he can love you too. You see, you see, God wants to prepare you and take hold of you and take your hands and put them in dirt, in the mud, in the sinfulness, in the suffering of his creation. And then use your hands and use your life to, to, to wash away some dirt, to scrub off the soreness, to bring life and wholeness in a way that will Never thought to be possible. If you think that ministry is only serving behind this desk or standing here or in your robe, you have missed the calling. But in fact, if Pastor K never says, preach a message. If Pastor K never says, I need you to do this. You are ready to serve because your life is a testimony for Jesus Christ. So, no pressure candidates, no pressure ministerial staff. But Jesus says to you, I'm going to wash your feet. Just your feet. And you don't get to be in control. What is Jesus saying? He said, I'm going to take hold of your feet in order to show you how much I love you. Because, you see, your feet is caught, what causes you to walk in places and pick up stuff. It causes you to go places and be in environments and be around stuff. And those things get on you. And only Jesus can wash your feet and wash them away. Jesus is making us alive. And he's calling us to come alive in him. He's going to wash your feet. Sterling, what do you mean? Wash my feet. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I've been, I've been getting ready for this day all year long. Oh, I hear Jesus say, I'm going to wash your feet because I don't want you to be in control. Stop trying to play the God card all the time. You know, I'm going to tell on myself. I didn't, when I hung out, and I ain't hung out that much because I really was a church boy, but every now and then you know how you do. But there was one of those things I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to get high in a crowd. Because my biggest fear was not getting high. It was being out of control. And homie don't play that. I can't get no help here. I struggled with being in control. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to act. Oh, I'm not 
all cut up. And Oh, no, I got to get it together because I got a control issue. I got to be in control at all times. And that control thing entered into ministry in life, and it challenged me because I struggled with trying to control everything. And Jesus was saying to me, I don't need you to be in the driver's seat. You just need to let me drive and let me take the wheel. It's easy in ministry to be in control and not even know it because you're reading the word. And before you know it, if you're not careful, you're getting a word for everybody else and forgot to get one for yourself. You start praying prayers for everybody else and, and then you forget to pray for yourself. And, and before you know it, if you're not careful, the enemy will lead you in a downward spiral into places that you don't need to be in things that you don't need to do. And then before you know it, you don't become a judgmental servant. And you measure everybody else's holiness based on your standard. Yet God said, I can't use you like that. What I need to do is wash your feet, cleanse you to the point that nothing will stop you from serving me and serving me. Not because you think you're so good, but you know that you can serve me only because I washed you, I healed you, I delivered you, and I'm keeping you going. At the end of John 13, Jesus spoke these words. John 13, 14. I'm going to my seat for real this time. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. A servant's perspective. I was wondering, Lord, what do you want me to say to close this message? And uh, I kind of wrestled all night with this. And he said, when you go to Ma, Speak a prophetic word to them. In fact, I wrote it down. And he said to tell this house that he's getting ready to turn it up. He's getting ready to release you to do a greater work of ministry. In fact, this is why leadership has been on through personally. Because God said, I'm trying to qualify you for what's getting ready to happen. In fact, God said, I'm getting ready to release an anointing on this house that miracles are going to break out when you come together. I'm going to heal. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to set free. Fire going to fall in the midst of my people. Why? Because somebody wants to serve me. And I don't know who it is, but God said to tell you, I heard your cry and I'm moving in your direction. Now, can you give him a shout of praise?
plans I set before you. Plans of good to prosper you and to use you for my glory. All he said, I want to know, do I have a room of servants? I need some servants. If you're going to be a servant, just holler. If you're going to serve them with everything you have, holler again. If you're ready to take this city by force, holler again. If you know God is anointing you to do it, just holler one more time. That's the perspective of a servant. Put your hands together and give God praise. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. We're in a season where God is making his presence known in unprecedented ways. And that his anointing would rest on you. Everyone that can stand, will you stand? Because I'm also convinced that these great candidates, these highly gifted and anointed people that are going to do great exploits for the kingdom are going to be great teachers. Because the true matter of real ministry, the greatest leaders ain't come forth yet. And they will be those that will birth you into ministry. Because it's about you and I being willing to birth people into ministry. I want to pray with you, can I? Amen. Before I pray, how many of you know that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you. You know, wait a minute. Let's try that again. Because you know what? Your level of praise, every time you praise him, you disturb the enemy in the atmosphere. Let's try it again. Is there anybody here that knows Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to him? Yeah, there you go. Come on. You don't know what your praise is breaking up. But there may be someone who has an answer to call, the first call, the call that we all answered, the call of grace to experience Jesus as their personal savior. You see, all he wants you to do is give him your life. He loves you and cares about you. And there may be one in this room who wants to give their life to Jesus. You may need him today. You may understand that there is a call on your life and you've been walking away from it. I challenge you to come. Ministers are there to meet you there. I invite you to come if there's one. Come and give Jesus your life. If you stand in need of something, come. They'll pray with you. The last thing I want you to do is grab your neighbor by the hand. Wow. Yeah. Now, if you know he's the best thing, gently squeeze that neighbor's hand. If you know that he's called you to be a servant, gently squeeze that neighbor's hand. You can keep on coming, don't wait. Father, I pray with every man, woman, boy, and girl, thank you for these candidates that will come to take you on. Thank you for the anointing on their life, the course that you've charted for them. Thank you for this great house of ministry that you've called to answer your clarion call to serve. Anoint, fill, 
set free and deliver and do it again and again. For you who begun a good work in us, you shall continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. 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 Put your hands together and give God praise.